As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is David Aldridge. Join us every Wednesday right here on The Athletic NBA Show for Hoops Adjacent. My co-host Waz Lambray and I explore the intersection of sports and culture each week with some of the biggest names in basketball. And don't forget to send us your not-stupid questions as well. That's Hoops Adjacent every Wednesday right here on The Athletic NBA Show. Welcome to The Athletic NBA Show. Monday through Friday on The Athletic Podcast Network. Tampering. We're this beautiful game of basketball that we all love and talk about every single day. Sam Payne. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. To be able to bring uh-huh. people together. Reportedly at the center of an NBA investigation into tampering accusations. And the message to executives in the league is stop talking about players on other teams. What did I do? The charges filed. Impermissible contact. Right or wrong. Tampering charges are really difficult to prove. You know me, I talk. Very <laughs> <laughs> awkward to even talk about it. I can't even mention teams anymore. Actually, what I like to put in Kevin Durant. The trial, you're one with tampering. They're always ahead of the rules. It's not rocket science. I have tampered with the guys. I didn't tamper. I'm just telling you what happened. I'm just telling you what happened. Hello and welcome to the Tampering Podcast, part of the Athletic NBA Show Network. I am Sam Amick, national NBA writer at the Athletic, here as always with a stacked roster. Out east, Fred Katz. Out west, Anthony Slater. Somewhere in the middle, friend, colleague, former USA Today partner, Mike Singer, Nuggets beat writer of the Denver Post. First time on the show, Mike Drop. What's up, brother? How you doing, man? Uh, Sam, I feel like this is a full circle moment for us. No question. No, we will go down memory lane. Uh, the, the brief version is Mike and I were together at USA Today Sports for several years. Mike was shepherding the NBA coverage and telling me, you know, that when when others zig, you got to zag and figuring out story ideas, uh, you know, and has now pivoted. And I'm super happy for you with how well it's gone in Denver because you, you dived back into the trenches, so to speak. You had beat writing experience previously on the Bulls when you were in Chicago with with NBC Sports, you know. But this is the most embedded you've ever been, and and you talk about timing, my friend. You uh you hop on with this Nuggets team that has been on the 
rise. It's it's a media market where there's fantastic coverage coming out of there, but there's, you know, kind of teetering on the brink of of having a void. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of room for you to cover, a lot of good storytelling. Um, the pod today, to, to give the listeners a quick breakdown of what we're going to get into and why Mike was such a, a kind of a well-timed guest, is I'm calling this the lie detector edition of the tampering pod, meaning that it's that time of year in the season, guys, when, you know, it's time to start figuring out what we think of of the contenders, what we think of the pretenders, you know, who falls on what side of the fence. Um, and the Nuggets are certainly part of that. We have so many teams right now uh, because partly of all these injuries, right, with LeBron and AD going down, um, you know, Joel Embiid and big time MVP level players that unfortunately are out. And then teams like the Nuggets, teams like the Jazz staying healthy and, and forcing us to figure out what we think. Uh, before we make the rounds, I just got to make sure we pull Fred and Slater in here. Gentlemen, what's going on? How's your week going? Terrific. I'm covering a uh, a cratering Warriors team that maybe <laughs> maybe we'll uh, get to later in the podcast. But if, if Mike is bringing the positive vibes, the Nuggets are going the opposite direction. Steve Kerr on the outs. I wouldn't say that, but their Warrior season is feels like it's about on the outs right now. But no, if you guys want to talk about cratering, yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, cratering would you know the Wizards? They don't have anything to crater to. They've kind of just it was a permanent crater, right? Although they've had a nice yeah. Russell Westbrook well, had a nice stat line, though. I will say that Russell Westbrook at thirty five, fourteen, and twenty one, and it was basically other than a streak where they won seven out of eight at the highlight of the Wizards. Yeah, season. and then we spent the next three days discussing Stephen A. Smith as as a entity as a sports media that's, entity just that's terri- reward. terrific stuff by the sports <laughs> media landscape <laughs> all right let's boy let's make the rounds boys I, I have to also throw in I, I don't think i mentioned this last week if i did it, it doesn't matter the other disclaimer on my end is this is also the puppy podcast uh, we have a new addition to the amic household and i'm sitting here watching this little mini labradoodle currently uh, pick up a piece of paper and walk around the office is probably going to be you know, dropping some, some good stuff on my floor at some point during the pod. So, you know, stay tuned for that. If, if you listen to the end for no other reason, you have to see how this drama unfolds. <laughs> Slater shaking his head. All right, guys, first question, as we figure out the contenders, pretenders and, and everything therein, let's focus in on Mike Singer's nuggets and the quote unquote other LA team. I'm still going to call them that the Clippers or nuggets as a bigger threat to win the whole damn thing. We're going to go out East first, Mr. Katz, which way are you going on that question? You know, maybe I'm a victim of the moment and both teams are playing well right now. Nuggets have won five in a row, but man, the Nuggets look so good with Aaron Gordon. He's just such a good fit. You know, I was looking, so I was looking at it today because Gordon and Jokic just have this automatic chemistry. And, and look, Jokic has chemistry with everyone, but Gordon's such an intuitive cutter and was a guy who they just kind of gave the ball to and had him do stuff in Orlando. And he's working so well as an off-ball guy next to Jokic. And I'm looking at this today and, uh, you know, maybe it's because he already has chemistry with a big man, a big man named Nikola, but he's... Uh, Vucevic was the guy who was assisted that was good, by the way, Fred. this season. I, I don't want to leave you. that. Yeah. <laughs> I waited for an applause break. So it got nothing. But... Vucevic is the guy who has assisted him most this season, 15 times. Jokic has already assisted him 11 times. There is a chance that by Tuesday night, Jokic will have assisted him more than any other player on the Magic this year. Uh, And it'll it'll have taken five games with Denver. He just has this tremendous chemistry 
cutting and moving off the ball with them. It just fits. And defensively, it looks really good. I just, I love that pickup for them. They're playing great basketball. Like, I, Murray has been incredible for like two months now. I mean, I, that, that team is really good. Fred was really hyped about finding that stat, by the way. I was super hyped. You I tweeted did some it work out. this week. He tweeted, Fred, he tweeted it out. That's how you he know Fred's hype. He couldn't had the it. joke ready. I think that well, was a written joke. You know, did you actually write it down, Fred? Tell the truth. I didn't write it down. All right. I didn't um, write it down. I'm also going to provide uh, occasional puppy updates. You, we're on Zoom. The <laughs> listeners can't see this. This piece of uh, this envelope has been shredded. It's now been removed from the puppy. But moving on, Slater, Clippers or Nuggets? Fred makes a compelling, well-researched case. Oh, my. The Nuggets. Well, then I might just hot take it and not, not give the compelling case. <laughs> like Kawhi Leonard is a playoff player. The funny thing is, like if you were making the Clippers argument, it would be like this belief that the Clippers are just like more of like a playoff team. But then you're like, well, the Nuggets beat the Clippers in the playoffs last season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, um, there's a shame factor. I mean, if you talk about that matchup, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I think a lot of that, Mike, you could speak to this. It's like that was a Montrezl Harrell issue in that series. I mean, if you look at the plus minus and the way Jokic killed him, the Clippers supposed answers Serge Ibaka and like that, just that, that, that flip and, and more Zubac, um, who, who I think is a better matchup for Jokic, but Abaka's missed what, like the last nine, 10 games with like a back issue. I saw him last night, just kind of standing over there on the bench. Or, yeah. Dressing yes. like a, like a man. Looked good though. He's he looked winning, real, the, winning the drip battles. For sure. Um, and I'm looking since the start of March. I mean, like the Nuggets are the best team in basketball, 13 and three, the Clippers are nine and six. So like Denver's playing better lately. They had the better trade deadline upgrade. Cause I think they had the best trade deadline upgrade in the league. Um, I, what do we think about Rondo in place of Lou Williams? Maybe that helped. I mean, like Rondo was really good in the playoffs. I'm trying to remember how good he was in that specific Nuggets series, the West Finals. But Rondo had big moments in last year's playoffs. If you believe he'll turn it on again, then it is an upgrade over Lou Williams. I mean, I'll be the hot take artist and say I'm gonna take I'll take the Clippers because I took the Clippers at the beginning of the season. That that was my title pick. So I'm riding with it. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm save. Glad. Go ahead, Mike. No, I, Fred, I, I mean, Slater, I am glad you went Clippers because I thought we were going to go three for three, all nuggets. Like they are 14 and three in their last 17 games. Like you mentioned, best record in the NBA. If you're comparing the Rondo edition that the Clippers got, uh, you look at who the Nuggets got. They got Aaron Gordon, arguably the, the, you know, the Nuggets were arguably the winner of the trade deadline with that AG edition. They got JaVale McGee to kind of bolster the interior. Um like the Nuggets, all they kind of internally believed was the, the piece that they needed was this three and D wing guy that they lost in Jeremy Grant when he left in free agency, when they lost Torrey Craig in free agency. That was their glaring weakness. And what's so the timing is so perfect because after the Aaron Gordon edition, um, the Nuggets faced the Clippers and we saw the revamped version of the Nuggets and Aaron Gordon slowed down Kawhi. Like I'm not, nobody stops Kawhi, but he got in his space and, and mess with him. So um, this was, the, th- that was the reason they went and got him. They, they knew that they were vulnerable against the LeBrons, the Kawhis, the PGs, the Lucas. And this was the guy they identified. Um, I, I think Fred was speaking to this earlier uh, Aaron Gordon was miscast in Orlando. He played some one, he played some two. He was asked to, he was like the second or third option behind Vooch, behind Fournier sometimes. In Denver, he is 
like optimally utilized as the fourth option uh, and then is their lead on-ball defender against the best wings. Like it is a perfect situation to maximize the best version of Aaron Gordon. Um, and, you know, for fear of wearing my Nuggets uh, colored glasses, uh, I'm, I'm going Denver here. The listeners can't see it. Mike is actually in a Nuggets jersey right now. It's a little much, Mike. I don't know why you had to show under the bus like that. <laughs> he's I'm actually very much not wearing that. He's actually in an <laughs> Oakland A's like tattered hat. I think that's Oakland A's, right? Yeah, I, yeah, I noticed that. But, yeah, that's no, solid. that's actually an athletic hat. Oh, he's wow. just coming on the team. <laughs> wow. I've made that joke before. I, I I realize I'm rocking an athletics hat, but I kind of just dig the hat. Like I'm from Cleveland, and like you guys know all the issues with the with the. Ch- Chief Wahoo, you can't rock that. The, the Chief Wahoo is a, a hot mess. You can so wear the C. You can wear the C. You know, just rep the it city. I got a misshaped head. It just it doesn't work <laughs> as well. A <laughs> uh, quick side story that you just made me think of. I was at the grocery store recently, and I run into a, a very, very, very casual sports fan. This guy I know in a, a little bit, and uh, he asked how I was doing. And, and sadly and shockingly, he had not heard of the Athletic, and so he says, "Oh, you're not a USA Today anymore. Oh, you're at the Athletic." But he 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 thought it was the athletics, and I, I for about five minutes he talked about all his favorite A's players, how I you know how I'm now working for a baseball organization, and I just let it ride. I was just waiting to go get my milk and eggs, and and you know I didn't I didn't set the record straight, but you do kind of no, look like Stephen Piscotty a little bit. I could see you being like a like a, <laughs> a part of a platoon in the outfield for the Oakland. A's. <laughs> I could. I, I played shortstop in high school, so I guess I could be a versatile player. Now, Singer does not have the jersey on. He's not a homer. He's objective. Uh, I'm I'm going to be going down that same Singer Cats road. Slater, you're you're going to be the only Clippers guy here. I think it's close. Uh, my thing on Denver and Mike and I have actually talked about this a lot offline is the Gordon move and everything that he just detailed. Uh, the one thing I would add to your perspective, Mike, when it comes to Gordon and why it's such a good fit is that we all know that every player in this league, every pro athlete in general, is always balancing kind of their individual goals and their career vision with the collective of whatever team they're on, right? The idea that Gordon has one year left on his contract, I feel like is perfect because it's just enough time where I think they have convinced him to buy in to the exact role that they see him in. But, you know, it's not something where he feels like this is, if it doesn't work or he's not feeling it, that it's in perpetuity for the next three, four years. I think he's going to be focused. I think he's going to uh, make the most of that Jokic partnership. I think it's going to help Jamal Murray. Um, I think it makes him very dangerous. But on the Clippers side, even though I would have them second in this little debate here, the Rondo thing... That move all by itself, I thought was extremely telling of uh, where they are, where they've been and where they hope to go, meaning that his voice, in addition to the way that he sets the table for all of their scorers, I think Rondo's leadership and having somebody who is loud and and unabashed in that locker room was a, a big part of that deal because Pat Beverly being Pat Beverly is not the type of thing that leads this Clippers team to greatness. And Kawhi, while he, I do think has evolved as a leader, he's never going to be that guy. And Paul George has a, a kind of a tricky leadership style from, from my experience where there's nothing inherently negative about it, but it's not a leader of men kind of thing. And I think Rondo coming in there, and saying, this is how we do it, this is how we did it in Boston, this is how we did it with the Lakers, is big, uh, and they certainly hope is going to unlock something special within their group. I think it's about Paul George. Um, and, you're, you know, to me, the ceiling of the Clippers at their most optimized form 
is probably a bit higher than than the Nuggets, but the Nuggets, it's I would be more confident that the Nuggets will get there. They kind of are there right now. Um, how bad was Paul George in that Clipper series? I mean, like I, I wish I could go horrible. Yeah, I wish I could look at this. I could if I brought it up, but I'm not. I mean, his stats in that series from three, like. Fred probably did research on it. If, Fred, do you have those numbers? <laughs> I, I, I could find it real quick. I do have access uh, to the internet. Yes. The, Fred uh, will tweet it out. The indelible image was uh, Paul George shooting the ball off the side of the, the backboard. backboard. Like, that's what you take away from that series. Yeah. Like, he just didn't have it. He, he didn't bring what we expect him to do. Yeah. So, if you were making the Clipper argument, like I guess I seem to be the one making, uh, it would be just like Paul George is better. It has a better playoffs. Um, you know, I think he's had he's had a more positive season than his first season. I mean, I don't know if the you know the, the Ty Lue guidance or just the motivation. They just they did seem like a more motivated team. They maybe haven't in the last like fifteen games or so. But um, you know, he he's if he has a better series, they they close out the Nuggets. And I guess well, and I saw uh, Rondo did an interview with Rachel Nichols on the jump the other day, and and somehow I hadn't processed the Ty Lue. Rondo connection from the Boston days. And I think those kinds of personal dynamics fit in nicely to the leadership stuff that I'm talking about. And, and I'm just dying to see where Ty takes this team during the postseason. You know, Slater, to your point about Paul, um, you know, he's going to have a lot of pressure again in these playoffs. He has been the one highlighting his lack of health in the past as a major reason that he struggled. I think that's always a dicey proposition. And and it's kind of like, all right, on the back end, we're going to see. Well, remember the bubble healthy. too. It wasn't just physical health. It was like mental health in the bubble. He was yep. the one highlighting that. And that, and that one was tough because it's, it's uncomfortable because I think we, we at the time, we mostly celebrated in the media his willingness to be open. But then if I'm him, it's kind of like, man, this is a tough – on the back end of that, there's still a lot of sports commentary about how he quote unquote blew it. You know what I mean? And, and that's probably somewhat tied to what he was going through mental health wise. Um, they're just a major, major question mark. If you're having to go out and do a move like the Rondo move to fix some of these things that you think were broken before, I think that's revealing. And while the Nuggets kind of did that uh, by getting Gordon to, to repl- you know, have for that Jeremy Grant role, that's just a basketball thing. That that doesn't really speak to your character and your culture. That's just a matter of, of losing a guy who who checks certain boxes for you. To, yeah, to they're, me, the they're thing offense, I want to by add, the way. Oh, sorry, Mike. Go, go ahead. ahead. Go. Okay. The thing I wanted to add about Aaron Gordon is that you're getting a motivated Aaron Gordon. In seven seasons, he played in one playoff series. Uh, he was not healthy when, when the Magic were were in the bubble and he missed that that postseason series against the Bucks. But Aaron Gordon has not experienced any sort of playoff success. Like this is a guy who won multiple state championships in high school. His Arizona team went to an elite eight during his one year in college. Like, and then he gets drafted fourth overall and he flounders in Orlando because that organization, I mean, you know, I'm going to call it directionless or rudderless for the last few years. And so when he comes to Denver, he is immediately coming to a team that, that just came off a Western conference finals run that has the expectation that we are either going to get to the conference semifinals, the conference finals, or potentially exceed that and make the first finals ever in Nuggets franchise history. So um, again, it goes back to optimizing and getting the best version of Aaron Gordon. And, you know, he wanted a change. He was amenable to a change in Orlando. It had run its course. Obviously his trade request was made public. Um, he made it pretty obvious that he, he wanted greener pastures. And uh, from, from, from Aaron Gordon's perspective, there was no better fit 
Then in Denver, like obviously Portland was rumored, Boston was rumored, but playing alongside Nikola Jokic, the most unselfish superstar in the NBA, like Aaron Gordon is going to eat. He's going to eat better than he's ever eaten before. Um, and so that's why I think it's it's such a perfect fit. And again, you're just getting a guy who's hungry and has yet to do it um, in the NBA. You're making me hungry, Singer. Can we stop at the food? <laughs> I know, it's almost Jeez. lunch. Uh, <laughs> Vegas actually has the Nuggets right now seventh with uh, in their um, title odds. And, uh, you know, some of that's public. I mean, number one, two, threes, Nets, Lakers, Clippers. Jazz are fourth. They're kind of, they still remain maybe the, the team that, that we're all a little bit too too silent on right now. Then Bucks, right. Sixers actually ahead. Nuggets are seventh. Oh, and one thing I do want to add is we keep reaching back to that Clippers Nuggets series last year when the Nuggets came back from down 3-1. I think the Clippers are better suited to defend Jokic this year, at least. I mean, Harrell was just destroyed during that series and replacing him with him with Ibaka is not necessarily a perfect replacement, but Ibaka has been good for them. And it's certainly a, a significant defensive upgrade on, on Harrell where he was just getting overpowered, overpowered and was basically rendered useless by the end of that series. Yeah. So, that's a that's a that's a significant difference for the Clippers if they have to face the Nuggets in that series. Well, health all right, guys, I'm gonna Go I'm ahead. gonna push it forward because we got a long list here. We're definitely not getting through all of it. We're gonna hit as many of these as we can before uh, before the buzzer sounds. Um, let's go to MVP. We're going to stick with our Nugget-centric discussion here. The question is posed in this way: the uh, Nikola Jokic or the field? Let's go to Slater this time. Slater, what do you think? Oh man. Uh... My bad. I'm on mute. Um, yeah, th- that was my answer. I'm just mute. Um, I mean, like if it to me, Jokic is the favorite right now. Um, and LeBron does not seem like he's going to come back in time to to make a late no, push. It's, it's like the mortgage question, though. It's it's you're putting your mortgage on it. You you doing Jokic or the field? I'm not putting my mortgage on the MV, MB, MVP. <laughs> um, I will don't take, buy it right now. Everything's I, expensive. I I will take the, just because uh, I want to continue down the line of being a Nuggets hater. Um, I'm going to take the field. Uh, I think Jokic, like I said, is the favorite, but I think there are paths for other guys. Um, you know, Embiid is is. Mm, he probably is going to end up missing too many games. Same with LeBron. I think Lillard it, with just his clutch time stats, if he has like a really strong push, could get that kind of late bump. Uh, just because the field literally gives me everybody else, I'll take the field. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Let's go to Denver. Mr. Singer. Uh, I'm, I'm riding with Jokic. Um, I, I realized he was a long shot coming in. I think the beginning of the season, I think he was actually outside of the top 10 favorites. Um, 
but selfish, shameless plug, the Denver Post reported or speculated that he was going to be a finalist, if not uh, a favorite to win the MVP in the preseason. So, and frankly, this is not a fluke. Like two years ago, Nikola Jokic finished fourth in MVP voting. Um, it's not that it came out of nowhere. Uh, and I know, Sam, as you as you recently wrote, it's kind of an availability award. Uh, and Bede's been injured. LeBron's been injured. I think probably his biggest threat is Giannis to three-peat at this point. But Nikola Jokic hasn't missed a game this year. Um, he will not outwardly uh, promote himself. He, he hates marketing. He hates talking about it. He's He's been um, asked to go on a number of, of big podcasts and big interviews and, and for various outlets, and he just doesn't want to do it. And I don't know whether endearing should be part of the vote, but to me, that is endearing. To me, that is really interesting when LeBron is saying, I haven't won as many MVPs as I deserve, when James Harden saying, I am the MVP. And when you try to get Nikola Jokic to talk about it, he will crack jokes and say, I don't know, brother. I don't know what the answer is. Like if they vote for me for MVP, like that's cool. Like that, that's literally his answer. Although that being said, Mike, I relay the story that you told me the other day when you, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll put it on the T for you. But when you said to him on a zoom call that, you know, you, you know, listen, Nicola, I know you don't care about the MVP award, but, and he interrupted and, and what is, what did he tell you? He interjects and he goes, who says I don't care about MVP? You know, and I was taken aback and I go, oh, oh, okay. Like, I didn't think you cared about individual, individual awards. And he goes, and he cracked and he's like, I just wanted to see your reaction. Uh, <laughs> and it's just like, who is this dude? Like, who is this second round pick who like, I mean, came out of nowhere. And he was actually the third pick that the Nuggets had in that draft. So they didn't love him that much. If they loved him that much, they would have picked him uh, with the 16th or the 19th pick instead of Gary Harris or Yusef Nurkic. So this guy's trajectory and his path to NBA stardom is unlike anybody else's. And, you know, if we're talking about durability, if we're talking about career highs, analytics, if the Nuggets need to get in the top three or the top four seeds, like the dude checks all the boxes. So, um, you know, while I appreciate Slater playing the heel, uh, I'm going to stump for him again. I think Mike now has his Nuggets flag out. Mike, come on. This is a little much. Are you waving a flag? <laughs> oh, oh man. <laughs> it's actually Oakland A's flag. No, I'm just kidding. Um, the, uh, to, to me, record is going to matter so much here. You know, the Nuggets are the hottest team in yes. the last month. But if you actually look at the record, 31 and 18, the Blazers, for example, I was just, you know, Trump and Lillard, 30, 19. They're only one game back. So, to me, that for for Jokic to complete what seemed the momentum is definitely shifting in his direction for this award, but I think they need to keep playing well and be like a top three seed. If they stumble even a little and they're they're the fifth, yep. sixth seed, if Portland's ahead of them, it becomes a tougher argument. I would agree, and Fred, we'll throw it to you last, but to to throw in, I mean, I'm looking at the standings here, guys, and as we record on Monday, the Blazers are a game behind Denver. I think. Team outcome matters. You know, Singer, you mentioned Giannis. Um, I've talked all season long about the kind of feeling in the media that he's like, he's somehow unofficially disqualified because everybody was disappointed by his playoff showing. That's just not how it works. He's out there doing the same stuff that led to him being a back-to-back MVP the last two years. His availability has been at an extremely high level. Uh, I'm going to go with the field on this one. I do think Jokic is out front, and I wrote that the other day. The, the Damian Lillard case you know, the, the qualifier there that we already said is that if he goes crazy, then 
maybe that narrative, you know, is in his favor. I'm looking at their schedule here and I'm actually really curious to see their week because, you know, you talk about sink or swim. They got the Clippers coming uh, Tuesday night. So as of the, the day this pod will, will drop Thursday, they are at Utah, uh, a game against Detroit, but then Miami, Boston, San Antonio. I mean, there's not really any gimmies in there. They got another game against the Clippers and the Nuggets coming up, two against Memphis. So Portland's going to get tested. And, uh, and and I do think that Dame still has a, a shot here. And again, Giannis, for me after that, and I broke down all the, the numbers and the factors the other day, the, the Embiid argument is getting tougher because he was supposed to come back Saturday. Uh, now I think if he came back and he was healthy all the way until the end and played every single time out, which he won't, I think he would maximize it at 54 games played out of 72. To me, it's hard to give a guy like that MVP when you have other guys playing 65, 66 games. And same thing with LeBron. I mean, he's, you know, his numbers in terms of games played is going to be down. I mean, listen, guys, I think it's a three-man race. I would also throw James Harden in there, but the games played thing does bother me. 14 games without the Nets. Um, but James, if he's going to go bonkers, then he's got a, a sniff at it too. But but I think, uh, you know, the LeBron and Embiid candidacies are, are, are falling apart quickly. Those 14 games didn't go too well for James either. Those uh, They did not. Other they yeah, did what not. happened over those 14 games? Like, he was an upstanding I'm... citizen. He was a wonderful teammate. I have a um, I have a Lillard question for you guys, I guess, before we get uh, to Fred, who might have some bet MGM odds on the MVP. I'm not sure. Um, the the Blazers are 30 and 19, as, as of us talking right now, with only a plus 0.4 like point differential and the Raptors are 19 and 30 with a plus 0.5 uh differential so literally like one team's 19 and 30 the other's 30 19 and the 19 and 30 team actually has a better point differential which speaks to what Lillard has done in the clutch this season I mean he's just dragged them to just unlikely win after unlikely win Fred was rattling off last week his clutch time stats does that does the fact that Portland's actually basically a 500 team if you just look at metrics but they are 30 and 19 because what he's done does that you know bump up his odds to you or the fact that Portland's really not as good if you really kind of take an x-ray of them no I think it helps yeah I I think it helps for sure I I don't but I also don't think it's all that dissimilar to Jokic and the way that he has carried the Nuggets if you remember Jokic's narrative is pretty good to me the first half of the season they're getting used to life without Jeremy Grant they're not playing well at all Murray was you know what was Murray wasn't good I mean he's cringing every time and you know he kind of bristles at the bubble Murray kind of you know characterization so the 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 you know the optics around Jamal are not great but the optics around Jokic were fantastic from beginning to end and he was the only thing that he had going or they had going to stay afloat during that time and then eventually they find their way Jamal gets better then the Gordon edition comes and within that too I would say and I wrote a little bit about this like from a leadership standpoint, and Mike, you're there every day. I only have a little bit of the pulse, but like Jokic's style, specifically with Michael Porter Jr., I think is a small part of his MVP candidacy because you've got a young guy that the organization has put a lot into. Uh, to me, a player like Jokic 
can go one of two directions. He can lift them up and make them better uh, and figure out how to compete, figure out, you know, what he, what do we need to do to help you succeed? Or he can get to a point where he's like, man, I'm so tired of the, the, the whole room having to kind of cape to you. He didn't go that way. And now Porter Jr. on certain nights is looking like a star. And, and I think Jokic has something to do with that. Can we call a spade a spade and and, and kind of establish why it will be hard for voters or, or why it's hard for the general public to accept that Nikola Jokic is a viable MVP front runner? Like he is probably going to be the least athletic MVP uh, in NBA history. He's probably going to be the slowest. What does that list he look pro- like? We can- need a list. Fred, did you did you compile that list? I don't know. Yeah, who, tell me who what is, MGM says. <laughs> who, who is who is who is like a below the rim MVP? Like, I mean, Steph Curry would be on that list. If and is, I know he is, hates being called I, not I, athletic. I, I feel like somebody who's twenty years older than me is gonna is probably gonna kill me for this. But is it like Moses Malone? Well, I mean, beyond just like lack of it's centers. Centers don't win MVPs in modern. Right, Shaq modern was game. the last one. Yeah. You He's know, definitely so, gonna. If he wins it, he'll be the first MVP to have ever worn SpongeBob SquarePants uh, underwear, which I witnessed uh, during the playoffs one time. It was a sight that I can knock it out of my mind. It's very <laughs> accurate. So the thing with Steph is that he he obviously changed the 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 geometry of basketball. Like when, when you're shooting 35, 40 foot threes at, at the efficiency he did, he he like kind of redefined how we thought about shooters in the NBA. The thing that Nikola Jokic does, he, he's not dunking from the free throw line. He's not a freak like Giannis. He doesn't kind of have the handle that James Harden did or does. The, what Nikola Jokic does um, at a level better than anybody else in the NBA is he processes the game so fast. And so, you know, while other guys have these like, like tangible assets, Jokic processes it and makes like quick decisions, snap decisions, unbelievably fast. And that's why he, his vision is so good. Like he can see over defenders. If teams throw double teams at him, he's more than happy to dish out assists. Last night he had 16 assists, um, 12 in the second half. If teams want to go uh, one-on-one coverage, he will like lower his shoulder and can hang 40 on you. Like the dude is so malleable and can just kind of cater to whatever defenses throw at him. Um, and so I just think if he ultimately wins, voters are going to have to wrap their head around the fact that this guy who can barely jump over a credit card um, is changing the way the center position is played in the NBA. And, and I know I'll crack on his uh, on his jumping ability, but quick side note, he has a career high 28 dunks this season. Man, um, that one last I night, think, that one last right. night was nice. Because I think he likes to – I think he likes to flex on people who don't think his body is the quote unquote prototypical NBA superstar body. Like, I think that's what is ultimately happening this year. I think last year he came into the season, he was overweight. He would admit that he was out of shape. Um, He was losing weight throughout the season. And then everybody thought that coming into this year, he was going to have, he was kind of, kind of ease into the season because they had such a deep bubble run. But my uh, wonky theory that I've, I've floated a couple times is that uh, Nikola Jokic got married this off season in Serbia in like the 60 day break. And I think he was in such good shape coming out of the bubble that he was like, crap, I got to get, I got to get right for my wedding photos. I want to stay in great shape and I'm going to come into this season and I'm going to still kill it. And that's kind of what I, I think we're getting wedding Jokic. That's my uh, stupid theory. That's like, I, like I mean, you're, I, I remember Bradley Beal saying that he gained weight 
when when I believe his fiance it was his fiance at the time was pregnant. So so I'm I we we're seeing the opposite with Jokic. I love it. By by the way, Steve Nash could be a could be an MVP in that sure. in that conversation too. Uh, I I will say that I know this is a podcast where we get shamed for being prepared, but I have called up the MVP odds. Fred is in his feelings our, about this. That MGM, Jeez, right? Let it go. From our, <laughs> I've called up. Uh, the odds from our wonderful friends at, at BetMGM. I would never look at another site for odds. And uh, and Jokic is minus 125. And if you're not gambling literate, that means that BetMGM is saying that he is the favorite over the field right now. Uh, second is James Harden at plus 500 or plus 550. Embiid is plus 800. LeBron is plus 900. And, and just with those guys missing games... It's really tough. The thing with Lillard that makes it tough if we're predicting into the future is that so much of Lillard's case is based on the clutch time argument, just what he has done in close games down the stretch. And that's a great case for me at the end of the season. I totally buy into this guy did so much to impact the ends of games, but it's really difficult to use clutch time and what's happened over the first 45 or 50 games in clutch time and project those, use that to project on what will happen in clutch time over the last 25. I mean, statistics tend to say that clutch time, past clutch time is He's not used to project future Dame clutch time, time performance. You hear this? Okay, He's let's doubting. not, we gotta make sure we don't forget about clutch time for a minute. Again, leadership, uh, spirit. He's tremendous. Kind of, he, no, he, no, no, no. I'm just, we, we haven't no even question. said that CJ McCollum and, and, and Yusuf Nurkic and Zach Collins were out, you know, and Zach still is almost for most season. of the yeah. year. It's very similar. Like when Jokic is looking and he's got a Jamal who's not playing well and Jeremy Grant's in Detroit, you know, I guess conceivably he could have had his dauber down and said, man, I'm not feeling like this team is still a title contender. He obviously didn't. He pushed that group through. Damian Lillard had every excuse in the world to, to do one of two things, to just kind of mail it in and say, man, we cannot catch a break. We're basically broken from a health standpoint. Or the thing we've always wondered, is this finally the year that he says, get me out of Portland? That's obviously not happening. That part to me is huge. When CJ went down, you know, Nurkic, these are, that's their core. You know, he lost 66% of, of what they do as a core and that's out. Before we move on guys though, um, long, long, long shot. But since in the West, you do have that glut of teams uh, any thoughts on Luca? Because the the Mavs since February first are nineteen and thirteen. They started eight and thirteen, got off to a really bad start. He wasn't playing well. His numbers are off the charts, and conceivably, uh, I mean, I think they're two and a half behind Portland right now. You know, never say never. If if they just absolutely were scorching down the stretch, could you see a world where uh, Luca sneaks in there? Scorching. It would have to be scorching. Yeah, like they would have to rise up the standings. Um, but right. if they did, sure. I mean, like statistically, he's got similar cases, but twenty-seven and twenty-one. Now, the crazy thing is, I say scorching. They are only three lot, three games in the loss column behind Denver. It, it, he's got a better case than than you think he does because I feel like we threw him on, we threw him away early in the season. That's the tough part. Yeah. Once you lose momentum because you have a bad start, it's hard to get it back. So I agree with that. Why are we not? And yet, my, my, and yet, Sam, James Harden still has a chance. Once you lose momentum, it's hard to get it back. And yet we still think James Harden's in the conversation. I think the I think the main thing with Harden is like we always look at the top two seeds in each conference and go like, well, you know, what's who's the MVP candidate from there? Should there be one? And then like, you know, the Nets for a large part of the season are the best team in the East. And you're like, 
Well, Kyrie's missed a bunch of time. Durant has been absent for a long time. How are they doing this? It's Harden. And he has an MVP background, too. Probably adds to it. I, per- I, I, I personally probably wouldn't vote for him because of what happened in Houston, but no, no doubt. I'm, I'm being a jackass, but uh, you like know, I, I excel at those things. So the way no, Mike, the way Mike's mad at me. Ballots. The the way he gets onto ballots is is games played. I mean, he's he's gonna play a lot, and Embiid is not, and LeBron is not. And a bunch of these other guys aren't, and Harden has his own issues, and that's how Doncic gets on ballots. But it's really hard for me to imagine how he's going to end up in first place on a significant portion of those ballots. All right, fair enough. I was gonna I was gonna lob a Kawhi question, but I'm looking at the standings. The Clippers are six back of the Jazz. Um, you know, Kawhi's another guy who, in a vacuum, you could make an argument for. But, but by the way, know, same same with Giannis. I mean, Giannis has won two straight, is having a great year, and the Bucks are. Not as good as they were last year, but very good. They might win the East, though, and that's when I feel like he's going to make people think, and he's going to at least wind up maybe second or third on the list. And I don't think he'll win it, but you know, there is. We can't remember what the award is. We we can't overthink it. It's best regular season. I mean, that's all it is. Um, and, and obviously, team success comes into play, all those things. But like, you know, hey, we're not going to forgive you for not figuring out Miami's wall in the playoffs. Is is not one of the factors. Yeah, no question. I mean, he's he especially of late has been tremendous and, and he's putting up the same numbers as he as he always does. It's it almost feels like part of him falling out of the MVP conversation is is the boredom that people talk about with like right. LeBron every year, you know, where people right. just kind of get bored of it. Well, Giannis has won two straight time for somebody else. I mean, but the difference is LeBron, especially. I mean, LeBron, especially later in his career, he's he's been prioritizing the playoffs and, and he tends to, you know, even if he's healthy, to not play like a, a madman who's who's absolutely at his best. And that's the tricky part of Giannis is like he's been at his best in the regular season and he gets rewarded for that with these trophies that do matter a lot in terms of the NBA culture. Um, so I don't know what to do about it. It's a hell of a quandary if you're going to go out. And, you know, and do these kinds of things every year. It's going to be hard not to give it to him. Let's keep it moving. Um, we, we touched on Harden a little bit. We need more more Mike Singer fire on the on the Harden front. Uh, but with the Nets, are we health is a major problem for both these squads right now. Uh, are we taking a healthy Nets team or a healthy Lakers team? Uh, let's go. Let's go over to Slater. He loves throwing it on me first. I'm uh, losing track of who I threw it to. I don't eh, care. It doesn't matter. It doesn't Somebody matter. I'll, I'll bring steam first. I would take healthy Lakers because they're more of a known than the unknown. Uh, we don't know what a healthy Nets team look like. I don't know if you have the stats up, Sam, but how many games have, have Harden, Durant, and Kyrie played together this season? It's seven. I mean, Fred's the head of research, but <laughs> I don't want to. True. Know, I should have asked Fred. <laughs> what does BetMGM say about this? Um, I think it's seven. We saw a healthy Lakers. Now, it's a, it's a different version of the Lakers, but if you just guaranteed me like Davis is healthy, LeBron's healthy, I'm taking them over any other healthy team in the league. That's just where I'm at with, with the Lakers and LeBron and Davis and what we saw in the playoffs last year. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash 
or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight? Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You're not, let me follow quickly. You're not concerned about uh, the cast of supporting characters that are no longer there that, that played such a part. I mean, that to me is, you know, Dennis Schroeder hasn't shown it. Um, yeah, Marcus but Hall I mean, let's it. be honest. Who is, their third best, who is their third best player in the playoffs last year? KCP. Yeah, he's still there and he's not yep. necessarily playing that well, but like, it's not like they had this unbelievable cast of characters. They and just, Rondo and I, I do yeah. wonder, okay, defensively and personality, like, listen, they have the top defense in the league right now, so you can't complain about that. Their personality, you know what I'm going to hate about covering the playoffs this year is that the bubble created this environment where the Lakers leaned in hard to their bully personality. They talked more shit than anybody in the entire bubble. They were, Dwight Howard was out there, you know, acting like the schoolyard bully and they had a chip on their shoulder with Rondo being a big part of that, that uh, I'm just curious to see kind of what the competitive fire is with this new supporting group. I would say this about the Lakers before I kick it to, to, to you guys. Uh, I wrote after I was covering the Lakers in the in the bubble and I wrote at the end of the finals like Anthony Davis has a legit claim to be like a top three, maybe even the best player in basketball. He might have had the best playoffs of any player. And then he came into the season. He was a little bit injured, didn't seem as ready for that very short offseason. And he played somebody wasn't even that good when he played. And then now, obviously, he has this very concerning Achilles issue that continues to linger. And, and you know, I, he doesn't even yet have a firm timetable to come back. So that's what makes me doubt the Lakers. The fact that I don't know what Davis is going to be. I worry less about LeBron than Davis. But if you are telling me healthy Anthony Davis, the same version we saw in the playoffs last year, will be on the court for the playoffs this season, I'm taking the Lakers because Davis looked like a top five player and LeBron is a top five player. That's two top five players. I'm going with them. Who's up next? I'm not throwing anybody in. I'll I'll go healthy Nets. I just think their talent is overwhelming. We're talking about healthy. I mean, they're... Their talent is so scary. And in that small sample that we saw them all play together, they were playing beautiful basketball. Blake Griffin looks so much sprier, so much more energetic. You know, I'm watching them play the other night and he's actually like moving his feet well on defense. People freak out every time he dunks the ball now, but he's moving his feet well laterally. I mean, he 
looks like a legitimate help for them. And when you add him on to James Harden, healthy James Harden, healthy Kyrie Irving, healthy Kevin Durant, I just think their talent is so overwhelming. I'm curious to see what they're going to do with their center rotation during the postseason. But I just have to imagine they're going to figure it out in spite of the defensive flaws, in spite of... You know, the fact that, you know, as people say, there's only one basketball. All those guys are having amazing seasons right now. I just there are there are too many difficult guys to guard on that team. And I could just see them overpowering everybody. Uh, Fred, I I totally agree with you. I think that, you know, at at their full capacity, they're terrifying. And and what is it we've always said about James Harden that he kind of flames out in the postseason or he runs out of gas in the postseason? Well, now he has the supporting cast. Now he has the supporting cast to dominate and he doesn't need to be the dude who does it, um, you you know, every single game for 40 plus minutes a night. And and Kevin Durant, we've already seen that uh, in the postseason. We've already seen him be a finals killer against the Cavs. And we've obviously seen that from Kyrie Irving too, um, you know, in 2016. So to me, those guys are tested. Obviously the Lakers are too, but um, I just think that in the aggregate, the Nets have more talent. Like I trust, and if we're just taking the superstars out of it, like I trust Brooklyn's supporting cast. I said offensive talent. You win, you win playoff okay. basketball on defensive end a lot. That's the Lakers won the title last well, season. Well, here, on not only that, I mean, I don't even, I honestly don't know who I'm going to take here. I'm going to, that's not a, a good hot take by me. But to that point, Slater, um, our John Hollinger had some good stuff the other day talking about the prospect of the addition of LaMarcus Aldridge being a subtraction by addition on the defensive end. Nick Claxton was playing really well on that end and all of a sudden is not getting time. Uh, they're one and one with Aldridge so far. That's another element where you look at a team that was already bad defensively. And now Steve Nash, who obviously has never worn this coaching hat, uh, trying to figure out his rotations, trying to figure out how to make the Blake Griffins and, and LaMarcus is happy, which sounds crazy, but the politics that John talked about in his column are a real thing. When big name guys come to your team and they had other options on the buyout market, there is this pressure to, to at least give them the kind of role that they expect. And, and the hope there is that, okay, you shouldn't be doing that at the expense of the team. And, and so if they took a little micro step backwards defensively uh, with these additions, you know, that's not a good thing. I don't love either one of these. I, I'll probably lean on the side of the Nets. I, I just have a hard time with those three players if they are healthy. And even though we've only seen a small sample size, I love what I saw so far with Durant and Kyrie and James on the floor together. I think the functionality is there, um, but tons of question marks on both sides for me. By the way, Joe Harris is having an unbelievable season. He has been great. Uh, it's, you know, it's not just those guys. You mentioned Claxton. Claxton's been good for them. The problem with Claxton is he's so skinny that like, I'm, I know they were worried about him getting overpowered by like Embiid in a playoff series or something like that. So, so Aldridge, I think just gives them, I think they think a little bit more optionality, but that's a, that's a fair point. The defense is going to be difficult. There's just, there is so much firepower on that team. It's, it's outrageous. Can I just add, it's scary that, you know, these two top contenders are battling the kind of injuries that they're battling as we're moving towards the postseason. when there's that always that pressure. Are they going to come back? Are they going to overextend themselves? Are they going to do it too much? Like we saw with Kevin Durant, like that, 
scares the crap out of me, especially because we've already gone through a, a horrific season in terms of how compact and condensed the schedule is, how much we're asking of the players. Like, I don't know that a playoff schedule has come out yet or that any of you guys have any idea, but I'm hoping that it's a little bit more uh, relaxed than it, this is in the regular season because you, you hate to even consider putting players in a position to have to compromise health, which I mean, like there is no world where health is not going to be a factor in the postseason, given how many big name guys we've seen injured um, so far this year. Yeah, that part does worry me. That's probably a whole different podcast. But I mean, the player vaccine front, I don't think has been going all that well. Um, you know, I talked to one league official the other day that was hopeful that like half the teams would be fully vaccinated by the time the postseason comes. And that leaves a, a lot of fertile ground for the virus to, to kind of wreak havoc. And even if guys aren't testing positive to have contact tracing and the protocol be a problem. So that's the not fun part of this discussion that, that hopefully goes well. Um, guys, we're on the back end. I know all three of you have places to go and, and super producer Andrew Schlecht as well. Uh, but I, I don't want to leave without throwing this last question in there because we just don't talk about this team enough. Um, can we have a little Utah Jazz discussion? And, and I guess the way I'll throw it to you, you know, is what are they? Are they a legitimate title contender? Are they a dark horse? Are they a plucky little squad that's going to disappear in the first round like they did last year? Uh, you know, how do we see the Jazz right now? They they had, let's see here, I'm cheating and looking at the standings. That You know, they had a backslide and they had a stretch where they lost uh, five out of eight, but they have found their way. And since then, entering Monday, this group has won nine in a row and they're just rolling. They just beat Orlando in, in fine form last night. Uh, what do we think of the Jazz? No, oh, I think go. they're scary as hell. Uh, 38 and 11. Uh, I think everyone was kind of expecting that 40% three-point shooting that maybe they were going to drop down to uh, some something more pedestrian than that, but they've maintained it the whole year. Um, they were about four inches away from beating the Nuggets in the first round last year when Mike Conley shot rimmed out, and I think that that pissed them off. I think that they felt like they were the better team than the Nuggets, and they came back hungry this year. Uh, now they have Bogdanovich. They have everybody kind of – it just seems like they're gelling and building towards a terrifying team. Um, I think they're very real. I realize that we haven't necessarily seen it manifest in the playoffs yet, um, but I don't think I, – I, if, if I'm the Nuggets from the Nuggets perspective, I'm terrified of a healthy Jazz team and a healthy Lakers team, and those, those are the only two teams I'm really worried about. The the uh, the Jazz lost to at home to the Timberwolves on the their first home game of the season, and then lost to the Suns their second home game of the season. They're twenty two and two at home. They have won twenty two straight games at home. They're going to have home court. It seems that's dangerous. I know this isn't you know full packed houses, but I think we might be near you know like Utah. Might Utah might have. 12,000 in there or something like right. that. I don't know. Um, so that's dangerous. The fact, I mean, like they're just, they're unbeatable lately at home. And I think that, I think that the one seed's going to be helpful for them in the first round. I think that's going to give them the softest first round opponent. It kind of keeps them away from the fray. If you look at the West right now, those top six are pretty sturdy. You know, Portland's dangerous at six. Dallas is rising at seven. I think Dallas might even get past the play and maybe drop Portland into the play in. Now, how the play in plays out might determine will determine who's eight. But really, if you look right now, eight Memphis, not really scary. Nine Spurs to me, not really scary. Ten Warriors, not scary in their current form. Um, and a let you know, Pelicans, Kings beyond that. I think the Jazz are gonna get more of a 
first round bye than the other teams. And then also are going to be sitting there waiting for home court. So yeah, dangerous. I, I, I think very dangerous. Yeah. I mean, how do we define dangerous? Like what is dangerous winning a playoffs? If they, they're going to win a playoff series. I'm going to go to the urban dictionary. Dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, mean what- I think can beat any team in the West. That would be, I would define that as dangerous. Okay. Well, if you're going to beat any team in the West, then they could win the whole thing. I, mean, I think they could win the whole thing. I think they can win the whole thing. Able or likely to cause harm or injury. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> you know, you know what's going to be, you know, what's going to be sad if the Lakers end up finishing around where they're at now, and then the Jazz have to play a fully healthy yes. Lakers four seed or five seed in the second round. I mean, yes. look, the top the top five in the West is brutal enough that, and Phoenix is playing so well right now that I don't know how far they could potentially fall. I don't, I don't see anything happening. They're playing great. Uh, so, I mean, you're going to end up having to play either Lakers or the Nuggets or the Clippers in all likelihood in the second round if you're Utah. And that's really tough for them. They can shoot the hell out of the ball. They, they are just, they're so well. Does Quinn Snyder have coach of the year locked up? Maybe. No. 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 What is Monty Williams, Williams right, right there? Monty Williams right there. I mean, what Monty's done True. with that group. Uh, I mean, Quinn certainly could win it. And, and I would have no problem with that, but the money candidacy checks a lot of boxes uh, because the, you know, we're the jump is the one thing that, uh, that we, we kind of focus on every single year and the jazz have certainly made a jump, but you know what the Suns have done. Nobody saw bigger and, jump. Yeah. Bigger jump three and a half back right now of the jazz second in the West. I mean, I'd say we have a whole segment here on are the jazz for real from an, a statistical standpoint, you know, we should be asking, could the Suns win the whole thing? Yeah, nobody is because it makes no damn sense. But, you know, that's where they are. Yeah, no, that's fair. And and for what it's worth, Jazz are top three in offense and defense. It's really hard to say a team that's oh, top yeah. three in top offense three? and defense is not. Is no not question. Dangerous, depending on what 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 is it likely to cause harm harm or injury or likely one. to cause harm or, or injury, injury. Yeah. sounds like yeah. Jakob Pertle at the free throw line is what that sounds <laughs> dangerous <laughs> <Is this> two <laughs> air balls <laughs> well, yeah, I, I think it sounds like having mike singer on the tampering podcast and i'm going to let you guys go with that mike you were you were dangerous you were dynamic uh, i appreciate you coming on uh, i got to squeeze this in i told you this offline too man it it hurt the other day, I'm going I'm to test our friend from NBA TV, Jared Greenberg, and see if he's a loyal listener to the pod. Because if he got to the back end of the pod so I could tell him that I was crying in my Cheerios over the fact that Mike Singer got introduced the other day on NBA TV as the best non-referee pickleball player inside the bubble. That hurt my ego in, in a major way. Mike did come into the bubble and wreak havoc on the pickleball scene when we were h- hanging out you know, a couple months ago, but appreciate you, man. Again, very happy for you. Can't wait to, to have you kind of carry these storylines on the Nuggets front going into the playoffs. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. And uh, just to, just to inform the listeners, your retort was that because I was only out of quarantine for four days because the Nuggets ultimately lost, I didn't meet the minimum requirement for pickleball participation to be a ranked player. It's so that like was, the that MVP was how much race. It, it hurt you, Sam. Availability is what the best. Ab- I said it's like the MVP race. Availability is the best ability. And, you know, it was a cute little run you had, Singer, but you weren't there long enough, man. You don't qualify. <laughs> cute. Wow. Cute. All right. It, it, it was a fun podcast, guys. I enjoyed it. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks. Have a good day. 
Thank you, guys. That was good. 